Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And as always, we are going to be taking your questions. So if you're not already watching on the Facebook page, make sure you head over there. Leave your comments underneath the video, and that's where we'll be able to find those questions to answer as we start letting people uh, put those in. And be nice. Yes, please Well, you be. don't have yeah, to Yeah, nice. yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, so for for your mind, when we were – after the game, Coach announced Ryan Fitzpatrick would continue to be yeah. the quarterback this next week. That was no surprise. So um, – what do you feel like that says about the direction of this offense and the team and, and what the coaches and everybody really see in Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. and, and what that could mean? Well, first of all, I don't think this team or any team ever wants to get into involve, involved in a situation where you're switching back and forth between quarterbacks. I know right. that Coach Cutter wasn't really all that thrilled about having to make a quarterback change that wasn't caused by a suspension in the middle of the season. He said so, in fact, but it was made easier by the fact that the team has so much faith in their number two quarterback. As, as he pointed out, a lot of teams are even more reluctant to pull their, their number one starter, their number one when the season began, because they don't really trust their second guy. Or they, they maybe actively believe he can't get it done. And right. They don't have a great option. We had the guy who came into the, the weekend with the best passer rating in the NFL. So I got to believe that the leash was going to be long. Um, I understand there's there's a lot of thought that needs to be put into when and if you go back to James Winston and, and what his status is as a potential franchise quarterback and so on, where it goes from here. But you don't want to get involved in that going back and forth because at that point, I mean, it, you don't feel like you have any solution at all. You want to have one solution, and it can't help either guy to keep going back and in, and it, the optics of it aren't very good. So I, did th I thought it would have to take a pretty – big meltdown, which we don't expect, obviously, from Ryan Fitzpatrick to make any sort of sudden switch. So it was no surprise to me that he made that announcement right away. And really, honestly, Ryan Fitzpatrick was not the problem in that game. Yes, right. he had one bad overthrow that led to an interception, and that helped put the Bucks in a bad position. But for the most part, he played about as well as he's played for a good portion of the season. He did lead us back into that game after it looked all, all but lost. Right. And overall, in your mind, the defense – I know Coach talked about the tackling – being Which was horrific. the big issue. So, I mean, I, I, the defense has struggled this year, but I didn't feel like tackling had seemed to be as glaring an issue until that game. And I mean, there, of course, there were a few missed tackles along the way, but it felt like this game in particular. So, uh, overall, how much do you feel like that is the issue that's been all season? It was yeah, just more no. glaring this time, or was it really this game? Yeah, in no, particular? it seemed like that. The bigger problems on defense heading into this game, the, the games that have gone very badly in that regard, were more like mistakes, mental mistakes, miscommunication, that sort of thing, and, and young guys trying to figure it out. You know, I think this big tackling issue uh, that reared its head in Carolina was hopefully a fluky thing. Uh, I don't think that's been a massive problem for the Buccaneers. You know, some of it, and coaches generally say this, some of it you do have to give some credit to the other side. Some missed tackles are created by great plays, and that's why those guys get drafted like that. And Carolina has completely remade their offense in the last couple drafts with guys like Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, the big one, and Curtis Samuel, who didn't play a ton last year, but now he's getting involved, and DJ Moore this year. And now they got a lot of fast guys that they get the ball moving laterally and in a lot of really creative ways. And, and once you get one or two of those creative plays working, then you start play calling off of those plays. So that's why we see an end-around, and then we see a reverse. Right. And just so I can get on the soapbox here for a moment. I already know. This is going to be great. That Curtis Samuel's touchdown was not a double reverse. Even the guys who keep the stats at the game called made a point of saying the play was a double reverse. 
An end around is when you hand it to a guy coming from one side, like usually a receiver, and he takes it and goes around the other end. A reverse, which is what happened on the Curtis Samuel plays when you do that, but then he flips it to a guy coming back in the other direction. For it to be a double reverse, it would have had to be one twice. more handoff. It drives me crazy. People call end arounds reverses, and they call reverses double reverses. But anyway, off my soapbox now. <laughs> Not really relevant to the discussion. Uh, I do think the tackling was hopefully a fluky problem that we're not going to see become a, a something that plagues us the rest of the year. So looking at the other issues, I mean, still not creating turnovers, which that's also a fluky thing as well that we've talked about, that that's not as easy as it sounds. And some of it can be luck about where a ball is tipped and sure. things like that. But uh, I know the defense has been emphasizing this, saying that they need to work on it more. Is, is that something that you feel like is – possible for them to I mean Gerald spoke about that yesterday that he feels like there's a chance they could go on that run the way that they did a couple of years ago what do you think it'll take for this defense to start creating some of those turnovers you know as far as fumbles go there is an art to it for some fumbles that Levante David for example is very very good at and I do actually honestly see our guys every single one of our defenders trying to create fumbles when they're making tackles I, I think they're trying mm -hmm. I don't know if they're doing anything wrong in that regard right you know interceptions as you say sometimes we just don't get very lucky with tip balls or just overthrows uh, to give you an example when Fitz overthrew Evans on that early play it went right to one of their safeties right. later in the game there was a bad overthrow down the middle by uh, Cam Newton, but our safety didn't happen to be standing right where the ball was overthrown too. And it wasn't a mistake, it just wasn't right there. Right. You know, so some of that is luck, but when you get to essentially five straight games without a turnover, um, there has to be something more to it than just bad luck. And, and I, I gotta believe, you know, Coach Duffner every week, because he's asked about it every week, <laughs> says, we are not coming down with the ball. We are creating some opportunities to get it, but we're not coming down with the ball. I think we need to create more opportunities. I'm not sure we're, we're creating that many. Certainly didn't see a lot in the Carolina game, uh, but they have to make they have to take advantage of those opportunities when they get them. And according to both the coach and the players, it looks better than that on the practice field. Guys are doing a good job of, of taking advantage of those opportunities and, and making some turnovers in practice, interceptions specifically, and uh, they just don't understand why it's not translating to the field. Do you feel like this Redskins game could be the game that helps turn it around, that they just have so many injuries, particularly on mm -hmm. the you know, offensive line, and that is this the game where the defensive line, therefore, can get a lot of pressure, which then makes Alex Smith have to make some rush decisions, which can help on the turnover front? Theoretically, yeah. I mean, they have m maybe up to four of their five offensive linemen out. They're signing guys off the street. Uh, I'm sure they're, you know, they sign a guy, he's he's talented enough to be an NFL, I can't think of his name, but the one they signed yesterday, he's talented enough to have been a starter in the league a lot, including, I think, last year for Baltimore or somebody. So we're not talking about completely untalented players, but to have, to try to put up to four new ones in and make it work seems nearly impossible. So on paper, yes, it looks like an awesome opportunity for us to get pressure, which could lead to more turnovers. But we've said things like that before. On paper, this looks like a great opportunity to right. stop this rookie quarterback. On paper, right. this and that. So there's reason to be optimistic about that, but it really has to be proven on the field. Um, we had a couple different Winston questions that I feel like we can kind of package all together. Okay. So Aaron uh, wants to know if you think Jameis will get another chance before the end of the season. And then we also had a question asking if he is not the answer long term, how do you, what, you know, where from there? So the idea of what all factors in now to whether it's his contract and how long he's with us and things like that, of, of whether or not he gets another chance. Is it based solely on how Fitzpatrick plays? What are some of the factors that could play in here? There, there's, that's the million-dollar question, right, or a lot more than a million yeah. dollars. Um, he, just in case anybody doesn't know that's asking these questions, probably most of them do know, the Buccaneers did exercise his fifth-year option that you can do with a first-round draft pick. They had to make that decision before this year, and they did. 
So he, he he's under contract for next year at a certain number, which is a pretty high number compared to his first four years, but not necessarily what a great quarterback can get on the open market. And that's kind of a compromise in how they work those contracts for first-round picks. Uh, the, the, despite the fact that we picked up the option, a team does not actually have to keep that player the 50. You still can release that player, uh, assuming that he's not injured. So there's it is guaranteed for injury. Um, we have said, apparently, our, our leaders have said that what's going to happen with the rest of his contract is not going to factor into whether he plays again this season. I know Coach Cutter has said he believes James Winston will get another chance and can succeed as an NFL quarterback and be a really good one. But there's no timetable on that statement. Right. Uh, so really, that is one of the biggest issues that's going to play out over the next couple months of the season and then right afterwards. Because if you go in another direction, uh, that's, there's a lot of different variables there. You know, you've got essentially no quarterbacks under contract heading into next year if you were to go in another direction. So you'd be looking for new answers, I suppose, right? or re-signing somebody. But there's so much that goes into that that we're far away from knowing how that's going to play out. Right, and I did see that we just uh, saw, had someone asking if Dirk had named a starting quarterback. And, yes, he did name Ryan Fitzpatrick the starter for this Sunday, but that's as far out ahead as he is. That's as far as we're going to see him go. Right. But I do like that he's immediately saying so on the Monday, or in this case, after the game on Sunday, right. rather than you know, making everybody wonder. Um, Aaron had asked, why is the offense turning the ball over so much? Is it a scheme issue or just a execution no, issue? No, I can't. I d definitely don't think it's a scheme issue because, uh, you know, we have moved the ball really, really well. I think the scheme and the play calling is working. When they have created turnovers or, you know, committed turnovers, it's been, in the last two weeks, it's been bad throws, simply bad throws, right. overthrows. Over the course of this whole time, it's been some of those fluky plays that you would expect both teams to get, and we're not right. getting them, you know, like a ball hits off a helmet, goes straight up in the air and is intercepted, stuff like that. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, it's been bad throws and uh, and so in a couple occasions, bad decisions. Uh, I don't think that was the case with Ryan Fitzpatrick on Sunday. His turnover was – his first turnover was an overthrow, and then he threw pretty well most of the game, and then the last one – you know, that's when you're down two touchdowns with, what, two minutes to go? Right. I mean, you got to score quickly, so you take risk. You, you throw riskier passes than you normally would, and that one didn't work out, the, the one down the field. If it, but I don't think anybody blames him for that one. Right. Um, we had David asking about uh, our blitzing, and that has been a topic that I think, especially when Duffner was first named the defensive coordinator, he talked about how he wanted to be – you know, his his defense, he wanted to be aggressive, and there was a big debate about, okay, does that mean? What does the word mean? Right, and and how much blitzing. So I want to hear your thoughts on how much you have seen us blitz, maybe even before or after Duffner, and overall the idea of how much has blitzing been yeah. working. I didn't really look at the numbers before we came down here on that topic. I would have, I know we're going to get that question. I know that before, under Mike Smith, we were blitzing a little less than league average, not a lot less than league average, but a little less. But we were also not blitzing successfully at all. Um, opposing quarterbacks were doing awesome when we blitzed. So, you know, the, the issue of blitz or not blitz is two-part. How much you do it and can you actually succeed at it? Because if you're not doing well in blitz, you're just hurting yourself even more by doing so. And I know it's frustrating when you can't get to the quarterback with your four down linemen, but if you're just making matters worse by blitzing, then – Doing it more often isn't necessarily the answer. Uh, you know, our our sacks on um, 
on Sunday, at least one of them involved a blitz or Levante David has told me before that sometimes when he's in the backfield, it's not necessarily the blitz. It's a reaction to what they do with their running back. Right. But it looks like a blitz to us because it's another – and I think we can right. – it, it acts like a blitz. Mm -hmm. uh, so Levante was involved with that sack with Jermall McCoy, so obviously that was some sort of blitz. And I don't know if the Carl Nassib sack was, on, sack was on a blitz. But overall, we didn't get a ton of pressure on Cam in that game, but they also have a very – they also had a very get-the-ball-out-of-his-hand-quick type offense, and they were running the ball so well that it wasn't a game conducive to getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Right. Um, Chris wanted to know how much longer until we can expect Kendall Beckwith back and game ready. You're going to find out either this week or next week, period, that there's going to be an answer. Uh, if he is going to play or not, it's, it's, he's going to have to be activated either this week or next week. So, again, when he was – there began, I think after week seven, a five-week window. And at some point in that five weeks, you could start him at practice, and then it's a three-week window from there. So we waited the first two weeks – we waited as long as we possibly could to get the full three weeks of him practicing. And when he came back to practice, as is the case with all guys in this situation, there's no guarantee that at the end of those three weeks he's going to start playing again. If it hasn't, doesn't go well enough, if it's not deemed that he's ready to play and it was a serious injury, then he will simply stay on the reserve list for the rest of the year. So we don't know the answer yet. Um, last week he was sort of eased into it. We'll see this week if he's playing more, then that'll be a good sign. Right. If they're giving him a bigger piece of the practice pie that would be a good sign and, and I would certainly probably feel the same way I'm guessing that that questioner feels is that would really be helpful for this defense the loss of Quan Alexander we knew was going to be tough I think we're seeing on the field how tough it is how much it has affected us and I'm not saying Kendall Beckwith especially after it's been so long since he's played would be able to duplicate what Quan did but he is a guy that you think he played it last year we liked what he did it would be a nice addition to that puzzle all right, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks to all of you for watching and joining in the conversation. We'll be back here next Tuesday, so make sure you're thinking about all those questions the rest of this week for on Tuesday, and we'll see you then.